So, you want to save the world with clean energy? Make money doing it? Confused about the economic and technical realities of residential and commercial solar, batteries, heat pumps, EVs? Want the real-world scoop on new energy technologies, not manufacture hype? Then tune in to the Weekly Energy Show, hosted by Barry Cinnamon. Insights from Barry's 40-plus years in the solar and energy industry will help you understand the future ways we'll generate and consume energy. And now, here's Barry. Hi, welcome to this week's Energy Show. This is Barry Cinnamon, your host. This week, we're talking about the overall health of the solar industry, as well as some of the differences between the market segments in the industry. We're talking about residential installations, commercial installations, and utility-scale installations. Now, one thing you got to keep in mind, we call the solar industry the solar coaster because there are so many unpredictable ups and downs. Now, some of these ups are things like new tax credits, like the Inflation Reduction Act, lower equipment costs, and things that are also good, which are higher electric rates. It makes the payback for solar better. And then you've got downs like changes in net metering. We're experiencing that now in California. Tariffs on solar panels, making installations more expensive. And then it's just in general, hostile utilities who are making it very, very difficult to get installations done. Or from a utilities perspective, hostile permitting issues, which are making it very hard for them to permit their utility scale installations. Now, overall, the industry is going up. That's because the ups are much greater than the downs, but it's just not a smooth line. That's why there's such enormous growth in the solar industry. In 2001, there were 36.3 megawatts of capacity. That's megawatts of solar panels installed in the U.S. Now, a megawatt is about 2,500 solar panels these days because each panel is about 400 watts. In 2001, using that math, there was about 91,000 solar panels installed. I'm thinking back to 2001. Average solar panel size was about 100 watts. It was more like 400,000 solar panels, but still tiny compared to now. I'm also very happy to say that in 2001, I personally contributed about 200 of those 91,000 solar panels that were installed. All right. Now, compare that to now. There's 20.2 gigawatts of capacity installed. That was just in 2022. A gigawatt is 1,000 megawatts or a billion watts. 20.2 gigawatts. That adds up to 50 million solar panels in 2022. And just imagine how many containers. It would be like a train like 1,000 miles long. The industry has grown 500 times over the past 21 years. And right now, in the first half of 2023, solar accounted for 45% of all new power generating capacity. This is some of this data is coming from Woods McKenzie, which is one of the leading solar analysts, and they expect the overall industry to grow by 52% in 2023, mostly driven by utility installations. My expectation is a little bit less because a lot of these utility projects are delayed, so we're not going to hit that number, but still, it's going to grow by 40%. And the reason why we're seeing all that growth is quite simply that solar is the cheapest source of electricity by far. It costs utilities only a couple of pennies to generate solar electricity. I've seen quotes as low as 1.5 cents. And now they're putting in solar with batteries for like two and a half cents. Really, really cheap. If you're a homeowner and you're putting solar in your house, when you kind of look at the life cycle cost of that solar system, it's about eight cents a kilowatt hour. And you know, the reason why solar is taking off so fast is here in California, the average electricity rate is 35 cents. So we're paying 35 cents when if you had your own solar, it'd be eight cents. And the utilities are getting that power for two cents. So why do utilities pay two cents a kilowatt hour for solar generation, but charge customers 35 cents? Well, you might not like the reason, but the reason is because utilities want to make a profit. And the biggest cost component is no longer generating the power. 
because that used to be what the biggest cost component is for a gas or coal power generating system. The biggest costs are long distance transmission lines. Those towers that go from you know, somewhere out in the desert or you know in a mountain area where nobody is all the way to a city. And those lines are very expensive to put in. The cost for those lines are going through the roof. Actually, PG&E is planning on spending over $100 billion over the next 10 years just to build long distance transmission lines. Now, a friend of mine's done the research on this. He says the construction cost of these lines is only about half of what the total cost is. There's maintenance and upkeep on those lines that has to happen. So I mean, he's saying it's going to be more like $200 billion. That's staggering. And that's all money that's going to have to be paid by ratepayers. So bottom line, long distance transmission although the generation in the desert is really cheap. Actually getting the electricity to where you need it into the buildings you need it is very expensive, but it's also extremely profitable for utilities. And so that's why I'm such a big fan of what we call distributed generation or solar generation on the rooftop of the building, because if you're generating the power on the roof of the building, there's no transmission, there's no distribution costs. It's very, very simple. There's no extra utility profits. There's no cost for new power lines. So that's kind of why it makes a lot of sense. But still, we need utility solar power because it's really helping us get rid of fossil fuels and originally coal and now to a very, very large degree, getting rid of natural gas. And what's going to happen to the demand of electricity? As we electrify our economy, as we drive more electric vehicles, as we substitute heat pumps for gas-powered heating systems, as that transition continues, we're going to need more and more electricity. And generating that power on the roof of the building that uses it is the cheapest way to get that energy where we need it, cheapest way to deliver it, cheaper than utility solar and wind power since we don't need expensive transmission lines. But yeah, everybody has to make their own individual investment, whether you're a homeowner or a business owner. Another thing to keep in mind is it's not just solar anymore. Battery systems with solar are basically becoming standard in the, the new markets like California, the, the advanced markets. And even in other market segments you know, around the country, more and more people are putting in a battery with solar. We're seeing well in excess of 75% of every single one of our solar customers putting in a battery. And that's because you can still use the own the, the solar power that you generated from your rooftop array when it's dark, when the sun sets. So you don't have to pay exorbitant utility electric rates in the late afternoon and evening because you've fully charged up your batteries and you use that power during that time. And you have backup power during blackouts. And it's kind of amazing to me. I'm scratching my head. It's like, why are there so many more blackouts? Well, the reason is we're having climate changing. The, the weather is hotter. The transmission and the distribution lines candidly aren't being really, really well proactively maintained. And, and the utilities are just absolutely panicking about fires. So even when there's the possibility of a blackout, they're proactively turning off power. That's happening in, in the areas here around Silicon Valley. Everybody in the hillside, they're, they're getting many, many more blackouts than they had before. Because when there's a hot day, when there's dry conditions, when there's a lot of wind, the utilities, even if there's a little bit, just in case they turn the power off so there's not another wildfire. And boy, you know what happened in Hawaii a few months ago or earlier this year, it's, it's devastating. And that could happen really anywhere where there are power lines and trees. So let's kind of back up a little bit and let's talk about basic three markets in the solar industry. They're the residential market, the commercial market, um, and also it's called sometimes commercial and industrial or CNI, and then the utility skill market. So when we talk about distributed generation, that's where the generation of power is actually on the buildings that use it. So that's 
the residential market, and the CNI market. Basically, everything else is utility-scale solar. That's where it's not being generated on the buildings, but it's generating far away, and you need transmission lines and then local lines to bring the power to the buildings that need it. Now, these markets behave very differently depending on the incentives, depending on the policies, and depending on worldwide trade issues. So let's take a look at each market segment in a little bit more detail. We'll start off with the residential solar market. The average size of systems in the U.S. is about 8 kilowatts. That's about 20 solar panels, each of about 400 watts. Average system size used to be a lot smaller, but now people are saying, hey, we want to get as much power as we can. There's more efficient panels that can fit more on the roof. And yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. If you've got the space, no doubt in my mind, you should put the biggest system in that you can. And also, obviously, it's limited by roof space. So you have bigger systems where homes have larger roofs. If you have a larger roof, it's going to be roughly proportional to a home that uses more power. Now, from a pricing standpoint, the average system price is $4.19 per watt. And that's based on you know, data from the summer of uh, 2023. And the data is gathered by a company called Ohm Analytics. They base it on permitting data. So that's the total cost. And I believe that also includes the upfront financing costs. So not the extra monthly payments, what's called the platform fee, which is kind of high. I mean, we can talk about that more later. Now, recently, over the past couple of years, you'd think that all the prices would go down, but instead, the prices are continuing to go up a bit because the equipment costs have not been coming down. And the labor costs, because of inflation, all the labor costs have gone up. So we're seeing that price increase and the systems have more capabilities, the systems have battery, they have monitoring, things like that. So unfortunately, it's not getting cheaper. It's kind of like cars, right? You know, cars keep getting more and more expensive and they still have, you know, four doors and four wheels or, you know, an SUV. So that's not going to change. But just kind of taking a step back, it's not terrible because electricity costs are going up a heck of a lot faster. So that means that the payback for solar continues to get better because electric rates are going up faster than system costs. Now, let's look at the market growth for residential. It's been a mixed bag compared to 2022. There was good solar installation growth during the first half of 2023 throughout the US, and there was really fast installation growth in the first half of the year in California due to the end of net metering too. And there's been a bit of an industry slowdown really throughout the country since net metering two is gone. And we'll talk about that more in a minute, but also because of some of the changes with interest rates. It's making people who finance systems have a harder time making those payments. Their economics aren't quite as good. So now let's take a look at what the demand is and what's consumer demand for solar. Looking at data, once again, from Ohm Analytics, the new solar demand's up 33% in the first quarter. And this is not including California. California is about half of the market in the US, so we're going to talk about that separately. So in the US, the demand was 33% up in the first quarter. Then it slowed down to a contraction, a reduction in demand of 22% in the second quarter. So that's the impact of higher interest rates and inflation. Now let's look at California. California, the new consumer demand in the first quarter of 2023 was phenomenal, 144%. We've never seen anything like it. These are numbers from Home Analytics. You know, our numbers were, were comparable. And then, no surprise, in the second quarter, the demand for solar was down by 38%. Now, these aren't installations. These are customers who are saying, I want to sign a contract or I've signed a contract. So it really shows you what the demand is. But you got to realize in the solar industry, especially in complicated areas where utilities take a long time to approve systems and it's complicated to get permits and there's a big backlog, it could take three or four months and 
or longer to get these installations done. And, and we're experiencing a huge delay in California because so many people are trying to put in solar. There was such a big explosion of demand in the first quarter. So many systems are, are trying to get permitted. It's just a big delay. Everybody's doing the best to cope with that. So what happened? When you look at that demand drop of 38% in the second quarter. That's because of the end of net metering too. Fundamentally, the, the economics for solar were better under net metering too than they are under net metering three. So when we switched to net metering three, consumers said, hey, gee, the payback just you know didn't get down. It went up. So they're backing off a little bit. But there's no doubt in my mind that all that demand will return because rates are going to continue to go up. And solar with batteries makes you know, total sense. It's, it's really the way to go. But in my experience in the solar industry here in California for 22 plus years, this is the biggest demand drop I've ever seen. Many installers, when I'm talking to my friends or, or you're looking at some of the data, they're down by more than 60% in new sales. So everybody's kind of getting prepared for it. It's a big slowdown, but it's also going to pick up again. So when we started looking at what would happen when net metering two goes away, this happened in other states, it happened in Arizona, it happened in Colorado, it happened in Nevada, it happened in Hawaii. In those states, when net metering went away, demand dropped by 50%. It came back when the installers all figured out how to install batteries or making other adjustments to the design of the system. Especially in Hawaii, the demand is stronger than it ever was. And it makes total sense because Hawaii's got a major grid problem. But it, it did come back in Hawaii, which was the biggest one that had the impact. And it's definitely going to come back in California. So we're talking kind of referenced battery storage. And good news about solar and batteries is batteries are picking up the slack where there was a decline in demand for just regular solar because of net metering. The demand for batteries is just skyrocketing. They're a necessity to get the best economics under California's new net metering rates. It's called net metering three. Now, you can put in solar without a battery. And if you're home all day during the day, you might not need the battery. But if your consumption drops down in the middle of the day and to any significant degree, you really do want to save that excess generation, which peaks in the middle of the day when you're not home. You want to save that in your battery because California electric rates go through the roof from 4 to 9 p.m. So it makes sense to save that excess energy in your battery and instead of basically giving it to the utility for just a few pennies. And then you use that energy in your own battery when the rates are highest in the afternoon and evening. So that's what many, many, many of our customers do. They're gone during the day, they're at work, they charge their batteries up during the day. And when they get to that peak rate at four o'clock in the afternoon, that's when they start discharging their batteries and they just avoid paying. California right now, 55 cents a kilowatt hour under the most popular electric rate. That's brutal. And then the other benefit of batteries, which was the original reason why people put batteries in, is when you have a power outage or a blackout, it really gives you the ability to power some of your house. We call it essential loads with your batteries. It's hard to power the whole house with batteries, but you, know, you put in a couple batteries, you can easily power your critical things for as long as you need it because every single day when the sun comes up, even on a cloudy day when the sun comes up, you're still going to be able to get those batteries recharged. Now, you know, this is all kind of theoretical, but when you look at the data from Ohm Analytics, it bears out this trend towards batteries in California. The best measure of battery demand in our industry is what we call the attachment rate. And for the last two years, the battery attachment rate 
has been about on 15% of the solar system. So 15% of the solar systems that were installed on the average in California had a battery. We had a higher attachment rate because we focused on selling batteries, but the 15% was the average. Since the end of net metering to mid-April, the attachment rate, according to OM Analytics, has skyrocketed to over 80% in California. Now, that does not include customers who were also just saying, hey, you know, I, I can't deal with these blackouts anymore. I want to add a battery to an existing system. This is just the attachment rate on new systems. Okay, we talked about residential. Let's talk about commercial and industrial solar. It's also called CNI. Now, you just think about how the demand in these different markets ebbs and flows over the past 20-something years. CNI used to be the biggest market segment. Now it's surpassed by utility solar and residential. And it's still kind of almost in hibernation mode. Bizarrely, the CNI market shrunk 8% from 2022 year over year to 2023. It kind of went down. Now, utility solar grew, residential grew, but what kind of blows me away is every time I fly into San Jose, there's terrific opportunities and cost savings for putting solar panels on the large roofs of buildings. Big flat roofs, even if you don't have a huge building, you can power the whole building. And from an economic standpoint, obviously, when you put in a bigger system, it's more cost effective. You're not deploying a crew for just one day. It might be to put in eight kilowatts. You're deploying five or six crews for two weeks and you're putting in 600 kilowatts. So it makes it a lot more efficient to do that. But also commercial customers, not only do they get the 30% solar tax credit, but they also get another 15 to 20% in depreciation benefits. So 45 to 50% upfront cost of solar for CNI is covered with tax credits and depreciation. And, you know, just kind of looking at the market sizes of these systems, typically they're in the 50 kilowatts to a megawatt range. They don't go much bigger than one megawatt simply because roofs aren't that much bigger. If you're putting a megawatt of solar on a roof, you're going to need about 2,500 solar panels and about 50,000 feet of clear roof space. And these are just really rough estimates. But, you know, most of the customers, most of the buildings around Silicon Valley easily fit, say, between 50 and 500 kilowatts. There's some buildings that are really much bigger, a little bit bigger, but lots and lots of clear, open, flat roof space. That's a power plant opportunity. Now, the costs for commercial and industrial solar CNI typically between $2 a watt and $4 a watt, depending on the size of the system and depending on the complexity. It's the simplest way to install the system if you can just kind of plunk it down on a flat membrane roof with a ballasted system and you know a few penetrations. But if you have a lot of little separate arrays and you know, a lot of complicated wiring, a lot of complicated roof attachments and conduit, the price is going to go up. Now, it also makes a lot of sense to put solar on covered parking and shade structures. You see a lot of those too. Keep in mind that a covered parking lot structure is its own structure, big steel structure. There's trenching that's necessary to get the wiring going from point to point. Very, very often they'll put in EV chargers. Talk about that on another show. And that adds, say, a dollar or two a watt to build those structures securely to code so they're high enough so the trucks don't hit it and so that they're in the right place and so you restore the parking lot. But these tremendous demand for that, what I'm seeing generally is the parking lot structures go on public buildings because the public buildings are able to borrow money through a bond and they can kind of afford it. But a lot of commercial customers, unless it's a really big profitable company like Google or Intuit, and we did a system for Intuit, unless it's a really big company, sometimes it doesn't make a lot of sense to do the parking lot structure. But it does give you a place for an EV charger and it does shake your cards. So it's really, really good. Now, what's also absolutely bizarre to me is California, which is the biggest market for solar in the country, is a laggard 
for commercial solar because the utilities in California limit the size of the system to the actual consumption of the building. So if you have a really big flat roof warehouse, you can generate a lot of power on that. But all you're using it for is lighting and a few other things. So the utilities don't allow you to put a big system on these huge empty roofs. And it's going to end up being a small system on a big roof. What a waste. And then when I kind of fly into other cities, and very often I'm flying into Newark Airport, I leave from San Jose, can't see hardly any solar on the rooftops. I get into Newark, New Jersey, fly into the airport. There's blue roofs everywhere. And that's simply because of different policies that the utilities have. And it would make so much more sense if the California Public Utilities Commission really incentivized CNI solar, incentivized lots of solar on these big commercial rooftops. But you know what? The utilities basically say, hey, we make more money if we build a solar farm in the desert and put in $10 billion transmission line. They make more money doing that than allowing warehouses to be their own mini power plants, really, that are generating power locally. Okay, we talked about commercial solar. Let's talk about commercial battery storage. Here's a huge market that's just not happening. Once again, I'm amazed when I see market demand and no companies addressing that demand. And there's usually some kind of reason for it. And there's reasons for it in the commercial battery storage. So there's almost no commercial storage systems being installed. It's just a vacuum in the market. Our commercial customers want these systems. And the simple reason that we're not even able to deliver these to most of the systems, there are almost zero commercial battery storage systems that are really designed for separate buildings. There's half a dozen really good residential battery storage systems and, and, and hundreds more companies getting into the market. It's usually one or two batteries that hang on a wall. It's a self-contained system. It works really well. And then there's a lot of companies that are, we call them integrators, that they integrate basically shipping containers full of lithium-ion batteries with control systems. And they integrate those, very customized, very complicated, very expensive, a lot of safety issues. They integrate those for utility installation. So that's a really big market. But almost nothing in the middle suited for a commercial customer that may say, hey, I just want, you know, 100 kilowatt hours of battery so that I can power my building during a blackout. I might run an auto dealership and I don't want to, if when the power goes out on a weekend and I'm trying to sell cars, I don't want to have to close shop, kick people out of the showroom when there's no power for me to keep the lights on or process their credit cards. So almost nothing in the middle. And I've seen a lot of companies come into the CNI storage market and then they basically can't figure it out. They're, they're maybe, you know, not mature enough, don't have the right technology, don't have the right people, and then they just disappear. Or once in a while, you see companies come into the commercial CNI market and there's a bunch of them that are that are actually quite successful now, but they've moved upscale to the utility storage market where the volumes are much, much higher. And so as far as products that, that companies like ours can offer for commercial customers, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of emails and calls from people saying, hey, we've got a battery for commercial. I'll take a look at it, but I got to make sure that it's really going to meet our reliability and performance requirements. All right. Speaking of utilities, let's talk about that market. They're the biggest market segment in the United States for solar. According to SIA, the Solar Energy Industries Association, there were about 80 gigawatts of utility solar installed to date. And it's growing fast, about 12% a year. But it's very lumpy, as I mentioned before. There's some good years, there's some bad years. There may be a lot of 
projects that are planned for completion in a year and then for whatever reason they can't get the permit finalized or the interconnection done and then it just kind of gets pushed out a year or two. Now, and kind of for some of those reasons, the utility scale installations in the US went down from 17 gigawatts in 2021 to 12 gigawatts in 2022. Now, they're expected to jump up again to 23 gigawatts this year in 2023, probably less because of these interconnection delays. But I still expect a very, very strong utility scale market in 2023. Now, over the last 10 years, the balance has really shifted from residential and commercial and industrial installations, residential and business installation, to utility solar. It really shifted. And the reason why it shifted is utilities kind of finally figured it out. Hey, this solar, it works. It's cheap. It's getting cheaper. And if we let those customers, those homeowners, those businesses put solar on the roof, we're going to lose our revenues forever. So they've really gotten into the solar business in a big way. And as I mentioned, for cost less than two cents a watt, sometimes even including batteries. But as I mentioned before, the price of two cents a watt does not include the new transmission lines and the utility profits. That's why when the utility says we're doing a lot of solar, they're never going to say they generate it for two cents a watt, but that's the real number because you look at your bill and it's 35 cents a watt. So it's also kind of interesting that utilities are putting in these solar systems for utility scale because it's easier to site solar panels on big empty fields than to get the permits for wind systems. For I mean, big wind turbines make a a lot of sense. And that's a big market. And it's been kind of all over the country and all over the world. You got these giant wind turbines and they keep getting bigger and bigger. The thing is, it takes a long time to cite those. And I'm even reading some articles recently that a lot of the huge planned offshore wind installations, oh, the good thing about offshore is the fish aren't complaining too much about the view. So people are putting solar offshore on the coast of Massachusetts. So they're talking about it on the coast of California. Really, it's going to be all along the coast. And heck, if you put it 20 miles out to sea, you need some you need some pretty hefty transmission lines, but nobody's really going to see it except boaters. So that makes a lot of sense. But what's happening is it's turning out to be very, very hard to permit those and install those. It's a heck of a lot harder to put humongous wind turbine a mile out to sea with power lines under the water going into a substation somewhere than to put a solar installation on an empty field or certainly even than to put solar on the roof of the building. So that's really kind of changing. And it will, I think the offshore wind is going to take off. No doubt in mind that the utility solar is going to continue because the utilities make a lot of money on that. They own the solar generation. They get to profit from the transmission lines and it's working for them. And the other issue a lot of companies like mine and others are facing is these are big utilities. They have tremendous money and they're able to lobby for utility scale solar at expense of rooftop solar, at the expense of distributed generation. That's a subject for another podcast. But if you kind of wonder why we're all getting forced to put in more solar, which is two cents a kilowatt hour, and it's ending up costing us 35 to 55 cents a kilowatt hour, it's because utilities are leveraging their profits, our money that they've generated from ratepayers to actually focus on their market. But another podcast. Overall, the solar industry is continuing to grow steadily. There's no way to kind of figure out what segments are going to be growing up and down and bouncing around year to year. They're all going to grow at different rates. But the economics of solar all but guarantee continued strong growth over the long term. I'm 100% sure 
that the solar industry will continue to grow steadily for the foreseeable future. And you know, in the meantime, the grid's becoming less reliable. And just as we need more electricity as we electrify our buildings and vehicles, the grid's less reliable. So batteries are becoming an essential partner with solar. Yeah, you know, think about 25 years ago, I had a gas car, I had a gas fireplace, I had a gas stove, everything was gas. Now I've got an electric stove, I got an electric vehicle, I'm heating my house with a heat pump, everything's electric. When my power goes out, my lifestyle kind of grinds to, to a halt. It's even worse in Gilligan's Island because at least there they kind of were prepared for it. And now we've gotten rid of all of our gas appliances. Now, electrifying is cheaper, but you really need batteries. They're an essential part of solar. And since the power that's generated during the day by utility solar power and, and homeowners is much cheaper than the power at night, because at night you don't have solar generation, utilities are going to continue to raise the rates for evening and nighttime power. It's kind of an economic thing, right? If you have a lot of electricity in the middle of the day, you can sell that electricity cheaper to customers. If you don't have a lot of cheap electricity in the late afternoon and the evening when the sun is down, then you have to raise the rates. That's okay. But it really does make batteries even more essential for both cost savings and backup power. All right, that's all the time I have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can go to our website at energyshow.biz and listen to the podcasts. So, you want to save the world with clean energy? Make money doing it? Confused about the economic and technical realities of residential and commercial solar, batteries, heat pumps, EVs? Want the real-world scoop on new energy technologies, not manufacture hype? Then tune in to the Weekly Energy Show, hosted by Barry Cinnamon. Insights from Barry's 40-plus years in the solar and energy industry will help you understand the future ways we'll generate and consume energy. And now, here's Barry. Barry.